Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. All right, so it's a special day. If you are a guest with us, come on up. You can stand right here. Yay. If you are a special guest today, this is one of our favorite days because there's cute babies here or older kids who are also cute. They have to be cute. Just kidding. These are just two in my face. Okay, don't tell anyone else I said that. Okay, all right, so child dedication. We believe here at Simple Church that baptism is a choice that each individual makes on their own um, when they're able to. Therefore, when parents want to consecrate their children to God, we gather together in a child dedication ceremony. So this is this. I'm so excited. My energy is not matching everybody else's energy. Y'all, I've been up since 5.30 a.m. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. I appreciate you. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. Tough crowd. Psalm 127.3 says, children are a gift from the Lord, children a reward from him. God blesses people and people with children. And they are a gift from him, him and belong to him first. And this is why these children these children, these parents are dedicating their children today because they see their child as a gift and recognize the power in dedicating not only their own lives to pursuing a relationship with Jesus, but also the lives of their children. So let me introduce these kids up here with us today. First of all, we have April Oates and Frank Thomas and their son, Christian Matthew Thomas. Is he out over there? Sure is. And then we have Switz and Chris Winters and their son, Hunter Bailey Winters. Yeah, thank you. That's the enthusiasm I like. (laughs) Parents, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 tells us, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down, and when you get up. Proverbs 22.6 continues this theme when it says, teach your children to choose the right path, and when they're older, they'll remain upon it. That's not a guarantee. Anybody catch that? Thank you. Yes, you know if you're parents that that's not always how it works. Children will break your heart. But these passages tell us that um, if we live in such a way loving and serving God, following his word, and being intentional in our conversations, that your children will not only learn how to walk a right path and make good choices, but that they would also see what it means to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. What an amazing gift to give your children, right? Okay, this morning, I'll give you a charge as parents to follow those instructions from God that we read in Deuteronomy and Proverbs. So here it is. Parents, in the presence of God and these people, do you commit to, by God's help and in partnership with the church, to provide your children a Christian home of love and peace? And do you commit to raising your children in the truth of our Lord's instruction and encourage him or her, him, to one day trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If you do, please respond by saying we do. That makes this so easy. I also want to give a charge to today to friends and family here. So if you're extended family or friends who came for this event, please stand up now so we can honor you and give you a charge. 
now, now it's time for you to make a speech. Just kidding. <laughs> These children are going to be influenced by all of you as well. And you have the opportunity to provide care and support for your family members up here by being faithful in prayer for them and by supporting their efforts to establish a strong Christian home built on the foundation of God's love. So here's your charge. As family and friends of the parents on the stage today, do you promise to dedicate yourself to helping them fulfill the vow they have just made? If so, please respond by saying, we do. Thank you. You may have a seat. We, Simple Church, are another major agent of influence represented here today. So I'm going to give us a charge as well. I ask that each of you consider what role you will have in making this a place of worship where these children can connect with God. Sorry, the kids in. I challenge you to be intentional in making this group a community where children can grow and learn to serve and love Christ. So here's your charge. I'm going to have you all stand up here for this one, too. Go ahead. Church, do you commit to doing your best to set an example and foster a community that will inspire these children to desire a real relationship with a real God? If so, please say, we do. Thank you. You may sit down. We're now going to present each child with a floral arrangement as a gift and a reminder of the commitment they made today. Would you mind doing that for me, Pastor Eric? These arrangements contain three flowers. First, they contain a red flower, which represents the parent's bloodline that they'll pass down and the love that they have. Then it has a yellow flower, which will represent joy and light. Thessalonians, oh boy. Thessalonians 5.16 says, rejoice always. This is harder to do as you get older, but it's so easy. It's so easy when you're a child. God also calls us to be children of the light, walking with him always. And then also when there is a budding rose. This represents the hopes and dreams that are not yet accomplished. And not only for your child, you for your child, but also the plans that God has for them. And now let's all pray together to dedicate Christian Hunter. So I'm going to ask available pastors, pastoral staff to come on up and lay hands on these families as we pray together. All right, please join me in prayer. God, today we dedicate these children to you. We ask that you give these parents, their families, and the church the wisdom and commitment to seeing these children grow in their faith and relationship with you. Be with each child here all the days of their lives and show them that you are a faithful and real God that loves them deeply. I pray for Christian and Hunter that they would accept your son into their life and live each day for him. Lord, we give these children back to you and pray that your will would be made perfect in their lives. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yay, give it up for Christian Hunter and their families. Thank you all. You may return to your seat. Thank you. And that's, that's all I got.
Well, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing today? Everybody awake? Everybody, is your energy level, uh, has it uh, risen to meet Laney's? That's all we ask. That's the standard for today. Just meet Laney's energy. She's, what are you, what are you 27, Laney? That'd be great to have a 27-year-old's energy. Be awesome. I'm 43. Wow. Welcome to Simple Church. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. So glad that you guys are with us today. Uh, want to take just a moment, look in the camera, say thanks for being with us online in our online campus on Facebook, or maybe you're just listening on a podcast. Thanks for being with us today. You're part of our family. And for all those of you that are here for the very first time, come on, Simple Church, let's greet our guests. Let them know that we are glad they're here today. Uh, now, if it is your first time here with us, we ask you to do only one thing for us. Reach into the seat back in front of you. You're going to find what's called our connection card. And if you'll take a moment to fill that out, a completed card turned in at the Connect Center over here, we'll, uh, we have a gift to give you in exchange for being here and filling that out today. So please feel free to do that. Even if it's not your first time here, if you've never filled one out, take an opportunity to do that today. Uh, you'll also see that there's places on there for you to mark, like, hey, I made a decision today. I'm, I'm going to take this step of faith. And we want to celebrate those with you. We want to resource you. So feel free to do that at any time during the message today. We are in a series called The Best Year Ever. And uh, man, we have kicked off this year with a bang. Not only are we back to having kids ministry, any parents excited about having kids ministry? I'm excited. It's a really cool environment back there. Because the kids are in the, the, you see what I did there? Thought I made it pretty obvious. Kids are in the cooler, by the way. That's what's going on back there. They're chilling. The kids are chilling. I'll, I'll steal that joke. I thank you for that. They're chilling. It's nice. Uh, no, that, that is a temporary stop on their way to the larger environment back there that we are working on preparing for them. Very exciting times. Also, uh, we're very excited that grow groups are starting here in a week or so. And uh, so today on your way out, you'll see that big purple tent that's in the lobby today. It's there intentionally so that it's easy for you to find all of our grow group leaders. There's some great groups, uh, and, and we would love for you to stop by, talk to those leaders, ask them questions about their group, decide which one is best for you. Notice I'm saying which one. Because uh, I'm just assuming you're all going to get into one because grow groups are great. Anybody out there, can you, would you agree? Grow groups are, are awesome. They're, that's as, as good as the preaching is here. The grow groups are better. And everybody said? Amen. Yeah, the grow groups are better. Yeah, so, so make sure you get yourself into a group, man. Get involved in this community of believers. There's not a single person here that I don't love and don't want to get to know better. Look, dude, that's everybody. So please, I know that you'll find the same. Uh, super excited about that. Also, man, we just wrapped up 21 days of prayer and fasting as well. Anybody excited to be getting back to some feasting, to eating some things? And, and, uh, but, but I just want to encourage you, even though today is day 22, uh, part of having your best year ever is continuing to invest in your spiritual habits and your spiritual disciplines. So, so, so if you've put some disciplines in place these 21 days, keep them in place. They'll continue to feed your spirit, and they'll continue to fuel your best year ever. Amen, everybody? So, all right. Well, here's what we're doing. We've, we've been talking about having your best year ever, and I said at the beginning of this series, and I actually say this at the beginning of every year, is that if you want to have your best year ever, it needs to be your best year spiritually. This is why we did the 21 days of prayer and fasting um, because, because 
Each and every single one of us is not an earthly being having a spiritual experience on Sundays. That's not what's happening here. We are all spiritual beings having an earthly experience. That where we will spend the rest of eternity is not here on this earth. We get about 70 years, the Bible says, here on earth. And really, tomorrow is not guaranteed to us. And that 70-year mark isn't guaranteed to us. Uh, some of us may not make it to that. Some of us are going to make it to 99, and then they're going to plaster your birthday all over magazines that you will turn 100, and you're not going to make it there. Wow. For the uninformed, I'm talking about Betty White, okay? But it, it's, not, it's not promised us, but, but here's the thing. We're going to spend way longer in eternity living on forever because that's our spirit part, right? Our bodies are going to are going are, are gonna to die and wither away, but, but we'll have a new body. We'll have a new experience, and it's much longer time to be spent there in heaven. That's where our spirit will live on. So if you want to have the best year ever, you got to have the best year spiritually and give attention to your spiritual uh, being, right? And, and for that, we've, uh, we've had a key verse for this entire series. It comes from Ephesians 6, verses 13 through 14. It says this, for this reason, there's a reason for it, all right? Take up all the armor that God supplies. Then, then you'll be able to take a stand during these evil days. And I've got to tell you, we're in some evil days. If you read your Bible, the Bible Jesus first talked about what the, the last days or the end times would look like. And he describes some very evil times. Paul goes on to describe some very evil times. If you look in Timothy chapter 3, you will see a description of what a day in our lives looks like. Where, where the church and the people around the church, you can't tell the difference between them. We're in some evil times. So once you have overcome all obstacles, you'll be able to stand your ground. So then take your stand. So we've been talking about in this series that if you want to have the best year ever, you need to take your stand. And we've been looking at a story that we've vis visited every week. We're going to continue studying one last part of it today, and it's the story of some Hebrew boys or Jewish boys. Uh, they were exiled. Babylon came in and conquered Israel, conquered many countries, actually. And what they would do when they came into the country is they would take locals from there, and they would exile them. They would send them back to their home country to... Uh, to inundate them with their culture, their religion, their language, their history, and they would teach them how to be Babylonians. And then these people of influence, they would send back into the country so that they would be influencers and ultimately turn every country that they conquered into Babylonian provinces. Not that they were just oppressing the country, but that the people would become like the people of Babylon. That was the point. And so among those people, there's a guy named Daniel. Daniel has these excellent qualities. He distinguishes himself by his leadership and his character, and he gets a job in government. Well, Daniel does what every guy who gets a job in government does, is he gets his friends jobs in the government as well. And that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what happens in the story is that these guys are working in government, and the leader, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, decides to establish this brand new religion. He's like, hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm, gonna, I'm putting up this gold statue of myself, and whenever you hear all this music, and everybody's going to bow. And everybody says, yeah, we're going to do that. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, being, being Jewish followers of Yahweh, they know that one of the commandments is not to bow to any other god except him. So when the music started playing, they didn't bow. 
And Nebuchadnezzar came to him and, and said, hey, I heard from a bunch of people around here that y'all didn't bow. Maybe you didn't understand. Here's the situation. We're going to play the music. You're going to bow. It's cool. Everybody's doing it. No bigs, right? Play the music. They play the music. They don't bow again. And so there was hell to pay because they were not going to bow. There was literally a fire that they were threatened to be thrown into. It was going to cost them their lives if they chose not to bow. It was bow or burn. And we talked about how in our world today, that for us to bow, we believe, hey, if I bow right now, if I bow to what culture wants, if I bow to what the world is doing, everybody's doing it, it can't be that bad. I don't want to look stupid, and I don't want somebody to cancel me, so I'm going to go ahead and bow publicly so that I can stand later. But the second you bow, the second you compromise, what happens is you lose your testimony. You lose your credibility. It costs you your character and your integrity. Before a world who is looking for something different to rescue them. And when we start acting like the world, we negate everything that Jesus did for us. Oh, I'm preaching a little, I'm getting a little too, too far in my notes here. All right, so let's come back, bring it back, tell the story. So we believe that we've, if you're going to have the best year ever, you've got to start taking a stand for God's ways. You've got to stand firm in your faith regardless of what culture does. That was week one. And then in week two, we looked at the story where, where it says this in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Just a quick review. This is their response to the king when he says, I'm going to throw you in the fire if you don't bow. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Second week, we talked about the way that they were able to stand in the face of adversity in the face of culture, in the face of certain death, like cancel culture, right? Like this was actually like permanent cancellation. You know what I'm saying? They were going to die. And in the face of it, they stood. How did they stand? Well, they had an experience. They had an encounter with the living God. They knew him in a way that all the other Jewish people around them, because there was a bunch of them there, and they bowed. It was only these three that stood. They had an encounter. They had an experience with God. They knew him in a way that few people did. They knew that God was able and willing to deliver them from the fire. They trusted. That's how they were able to stand. In fact, they stood. They were thrown into the fire. And what happened in the fire is that they met Jesus. And that's where you'll meet Jesus too. If you choose to stand when culture rains down hellfire on your life, because you refuse to bow, you'll find Jesus. If you didn't miss that message, that was week two. Please make sure you listen to that message because you can learn to encounter God's presence and his power in the fire. Last week, we talked about making sure that, that like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that when you're going to stand, make sure you're standing with other people. Make sure you're standing with other people of like faith. Because when you stand with people, it enables you to stand for other people. Because, see, not only did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego meet Jesus in a fire, but after the fire, Nebuchadnezzar declared, hey, their God, that's the only one we're going to bow to from here on out. That everybody in all of Babylon had an opportunity to be introduced to the real living God, not an idol made of gold. That if you're going to stand for people, you need to learn to stand with people. You're like, Aaron, but I don't like people. 
praying for you. <laughs> we'll challenge you to find a new career, maybe bridge builder. Build a bridge and get over it. Go. Oh, come on. I'm not being that mean. I'm just saying I understand that. But, but you need to, what you need to understand is you may not like people, but this now may come, come down to just an act of obedience because God's in love with us. And he's in love with you. And if we're to be recipients of God's love, we also must be givers and sharers of God's love towards one another. In fact, there's a whole bunch of one another's in the Bible that are commandments for us. That, that you can't do the one another stuff in the Bible that it tells you to do without another. So, so it, it, let's start there for a little bit, right? So if you missed that message, please make sure you listen to that message. We are stronger when we are together, and we won't bow. Relationships are important because people are connected to our purpose, our passion, and our potential to make a difference. And there's a full and fulfilled life that's attached to making that difference. We talked all about that last week, even gave you a, a psychology lesson. Please go back there and look at that. I love when, when psychology and, and science and modern medicine catches up to what the, the Bible said thousands of years ago. It's fascinating. Take a look at that. Today, what I want to do is share a part of the story that has the greatest potential to impact your life. And it's found in Daniel 3, verse 18. It's the end of those three boys, their response to King Nebuchadnezzar. They just finished saying, God's able and he's willing to rescue us from your hand. But watch this take a turn. But even if he does not, well, we need some even if he does not faith, don't we? That even if God doesn't heal me from COVID-19, or even if he doesn't eradicate this disease from among us, I'm I'm still going to choose him. Even if my finances don't get in order. Even if I don't get that job, even if the girl that I asked out last night says no, even if, we need some even if faith. Says even if he does not, if he never answers another prayer we ever pray, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. See, they had trust from previous encounters with God. They knew he was able, they knew he was willing, but they had this, even if he does not faith, even if he does not, we're still not going to bow. We're still not going to cave to this demand. My question today is, what would it cost you to bow? What would it cost you to abandon your faith? I think in 2020, we learned that it really wasn't much, that across the country and across the world, what happens was was that Sunday's got shut down. And when Sunday got shut down, that was everybody's faith life was Sunday. And, and Christianity or any form of it just kind of disappeared from their lives. I'm just, I'm just saying it happened. Sundays vanished and so did their faith. faith. In fact, there was a study that was recently done. It's a couple years old at this point, but it said that 72% of the population in America profess some form of faith but only 7% of those said that their faith was transformative or changed their lives in any way. Well, no wonder it was easy to walk away from faith. No wonder it was easy to walk away from Christianity. If only 7% of the people in this room actually experienced any kind of transforming life change, well, of course it would be easy to walk away from that. Like, that there's, no, there's no value. It made no difference in your life. That study is disheartening to me. 
what it does is it boils Christianity down to behavior modification and not heart transformation. Behavior modification is not what the church or what Jesus is offering at all. This lifestyle, this form of Christianity is what Paul warned about in Timothy 3 when he said they'll have that the church, that they'll have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, the power that can transform your heart, the power that can transform your life. Are we showing up to church on Sunday? We might even serve on a team, but, but, but we're not letting Jesus all up in our business and in our hearts. We wear Christianity on us like a badge instead of allowing it to get inside of us and change us from the inside out. And that kind of Christianity isn't flowing from a surrendered life. It's a life of convenience. It's a life of choice, a life of preference, a life that is ultimately all about me. It's a, it's a life where I'm Lord. But, but Christianity like that, Christianity like that will bow all day long and disappear the moment that resistance comes along, the moment that persecution comes along, the moment that something better comes along, the moment that your kid has an activity comes along, the moment that a better opportunity, riding on a boat on a Sunday after, it's supposed to be nice today, Pastor Aaron, I'm going to catch you later. I was supposed to get up this morning and pray but you don't know, my favorite show was on last night, and I binged through five episodes like I'm supposed to give you a high five or something, you know? Like, I get it. I'm susceptible to that stuff, too. I want you to know, as uncomfortable as all of you feel, I feel it, too, okay? I'm talking to me, too. Christianity that is, that is all about convenience is not a Christianity that will stand. Christianity is to be a life of surrender. It's supposed to be a life of sacrifice, a life of obedience, a life of preferring others and preferring God's ways over your own, not your own preferences, not what you want. It's supposed to be all about Jesus, not about you, and it's supposed to be a life that you live where he is Lord and he is king. Only that kind of Christianity will stand. Only that kind of Christianity will make it through the fires. True Christianity requires you to be sold out, all in, and living a surrendered life. So what does a surrendered life of faith look like? That even if God doesn't rescue us, we're not going to bow. Well, let's go to Hebrews. There is chapter 11 is known as the Hall of Faith. And we really love looking at these stories because they're inspirational stories of faith. But let's skip down to verse number 33. And it says this, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. Man, that sounds awesome. They ruled with justice. Yeah. They received what God had promised them. All right. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fires, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Come on, somebody. Their weakness was turned into strength. That's my kind of Christianity right there. I like it. They became strong in battle, put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Now we've got miracles. Come on, somebody. I want that kind of Christianity. Yes. But others. Uh-oh. Now, this is where 35 takes a little bit of a turn. <laughs> and if you've been uncomfortable so far, you're going to get a little more uncomfortable. Because verse 35 says, but others, they were tortured. Say what, Jesus? 
refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. So they were taken captive, and they were given opportunities to renounce Jesus, and they said no, so they were tortured. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. That's what surrendered life looks like. It ain't about this life. It's about the next one. It's about the next one. As a result, some were jeered at. People made fun of them. And their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. And I don't mean by the wacky tobacco either. I mean like stones <laughs> were heaved at them and hit them. Until they died. I said, well, if they were stoned, maybe they got some relief. They did not. Some were sawed in half. Some of you like, that's my diet plan for the year. Take 50% of me and go. This is not a good plan. Then others were killed with a sword. You have to imagine that if they had a, a marketing agency back then, that somebody would have been sitting Jesus down in a boardroom saying, now listen, we just need to talk about your strategy here. Yeah, because if I give an altar call right now and say, hey, who wants to set, give your life to Jesus? By the way, you might get cut. You might get sawed in half. You might get stabbed to death. You might go to prison. You might suffer greatly physically. If you want to say yes to Jesus, go ahead and raise your hand now. Like, that's just not good marketing. Can we go ahead and soften this a little bit? Could we make this a little more acceptable to the masses, Jesus? And Jesus is like, no, come and die. Take up your cross. Follow me. That's the one I want. That, that's the message we'll go with right there. It's tough. It's harsh. They said, well, Jesus, we're going to have to slap an M for mature audiences on this message, okay? Because there's a lot of gore and violence in it. Mm -hmm. Consider the cost. Because it may cost you everything. And in a very painful way. That's lots of stuff nobody wants to face. But then it says this. So it goes through a lot of pain. Then it says, and someone went about wearing skins of sheep and goats. How did that get into the middle of all the violence? <laughs> this guy got cut. This guy got cut in half. But at least he didn't have to wear goat skin. Is that like the equivalent of saying, I, I didn't have to wear Old Navy? Or have to, have to wear off the rack at Walmart or whatever? There's nothing wrong with any of those things. I do that stuff. That's good stuff. But like, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Now we're dealing with mental health stuff. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. I'm here to tell you this is the life of faith. That this is what it looks like. Sometimes you overcome and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you understand. And other times you don't. Sometimes you find yourself rescued and other times... You don't. Sometimes you're healed, and other times you don't get healed. You're not God. You don't get to determine the outcome. What we do get to do is to surrender, to put our lives in the hands of a loving God. Because a life of faith is complete surrender no matter what. That even if, even if it costs you followers on social media, you're willing to follow Jesus. Even if it brings persecution, you're ready to pay the cost. Total surrender is the only thing that God will accept. Let me show you this in Revelation. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. This is Jesus talking. 
He says, to the church at Laodicea, which, by the way, that church at Laodicea was very much like the American, uh, the, the American culture right now. They were wealthy. They were comfortable. It was modern. And he says, write these words. These are the words of the, of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. He said, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot or you're neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is a community that was involved in the arts, involved in technology and modern conveniences, just like our country is today. And the church was all involved in every part of life, just like it is today here in this country. And one of the pieces of technology they had was something known as an aqueduct. It would bring water from the hot springs. And as the water was traveling through the aqueducts, what would happen is it would lose its heat. But it wouldn't arrive where, where it wouldn't arrive for them to utilize cold or hot. It was kind of like this, not, not like room temperature, but like body temperature. You know what I'm talking about? Any coffee drinkers out there, you enjoy a cup of coffee? Anybody enjoy multiple cups of coffee at once? Like you lost that cup of coffee and you go ahead and get another cup of coffee and then maybe later on you find that cup of coffee that you had lost earlier and you mistakenly take a sip of it thinking that it's your fresh hot coffee and it's like now it's not the right temperature and it's like oh gosh what am I drinking this is disgusting like anybody know what I'm talking about you can relate yeah okay that's what that's what Jesus is talking about here this is lukewarm it's a different it's a different kind of of temperature it's it's like it's undesirable you know, I used to think that this verse was Jesus saying, I wish you were either worldly, cold, or that I wish you were passionate and on fire for me. That's not what he's saying. Both hot and cold had their uses and were acceptable. It's like, I wish you were, I wish you were doing something with your life that was okay with me, but you're not. You're lukewarm. So you're middle ground. Lukewarm was undesirable. Lukewarm is also an oxymoron, right? It's like, it's like saying the words government efficiency. That doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work together. Or, or like working vacation. It's another oxymoron. You can't be working when you're on vacation. Or Instagram privacy policy. <laughs> what about jumbo shrimp? Business casual. Or plastic silverware. Oxymorons, all of them. They can't exist. And Jesus is saying, hey, a lukewarm Christian, there's no such thing. There, there ought not be this thing. You should either be hot or cold, fully surrendered and passionate, no middle ground, no passionless relationship with me. Jesus like, I'm not welcoming that. He said, and the lukewarm, the problem with lukewarm is that lukewarm looks like the world. We do everything like the world does. We dress like the world. We spend money like the world. We approach sex like the world. We do our relationships like the world. We divorce like the world. We raise our children like the world. We get, we're entertained like the world. We look no different than the rest of the world. We look so much alike, we can't tell the difference between you and the world. And Jesus said, that just makes me sick. That just makes me sick, and I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Now, I'm just going to come out and say it. I need you all to know, I hate to spew I don't like it. It's not my thing. I resist it. In fact, if you've ever spent enough time with me when I've been sick, you know I don't, want, I don't want to vomit. That's not happening. That's not a pleasant experience for anybody. There's several reasons for why I resist it. The first is the difference between being a kid puking and an adult puking. When a kid pukes, nobody's mad at a kid. Nobody's mad at where the kid puked. 
They just care for the kid. But as an adult, if you puke in the hallway in your jammy jams, everybody's upset at you. Because you did not have the fortitude to get up and you make it to the bathroom. I don't like that. I want to be cared for and loved well when I'm, when I'm in that condition. Don't make me clean it up. Second reason is, is when I, when, I, when I do, I go from every orifice in my body. It's not okay. You say, Aaron, I didn't need to know that, but you know it now. And you can't unknow it. It is not a pleasant experience. And last but not least is, I worked hard for that food. I don't want to surrender it. It cost me money. You know it's true. John, you can't even look at me. You won't look at me. You know it's true, right? It's true. I'm not doing it. I'm not letting go. But if I'm vomiting, I'm really sick. That's truth. I'll call for help. My wife will bring in a rag. It's nice and cool. Dab me on the forehead. It's nice. I like it. I have to call and ask for help. But not Shanda. When Shanda's vomiting, that is her call for help. Because Shanda... Shandle's got a rebel yell when she's going. Anybody else yell when you vomit? <laughs> bah! Bah! Ask my wife. Listen, I am a heavy sleeper. And she will be behind a closed door in the middle of the night. And I will hear that noise. I will make sure that I'm okay, first of all. And then I will check on her. You okay, Aaron? Oh, that scared me bad. Now I go check on her. <laughs> she says TMI. They're all laughing, having a good time. I don't think so. <laughs> the leading up to the moment of vomiting is the worst, isn't it, though? Oh, you just feel it all day long. Oh, no, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. Get all clammy and sweaty. Not doing it. No, oh, oh, here it comes. It's happening. This is happening. <sighs> the anticipation of it all as you hug a bowl and wait. <laughs> See, that's how God feels about our passionless, semi-surrendered lives. That's how he feels. It makes him want to puke. And he's writing this to the church at Laodicea, but it's a message that we can receive today because we are like that church. And here's my fear as a pastor is that we'll walk through this life thinking that this semi-surrendered Christianity is, is God-honoring, and it's, it's actually what God wants for us. And the semi-surrendered life, here's what, here's what happens. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, he's talking about a day of judgment, when we all get to heaven, you get there, there's two judgment seats. The first one is, did you know Jesus? That's the one he's talking about. Did you know Jesus? If you knew Jesus, you enter into eternal rest. And then there's another judgment. What did you do with Jesus? But he's talking about the first one. Many are going to say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not hold the door for people at church? Did we not show them to their seats? Did we not serve in kids' ministry? Did we not hold a microphone and sing a song? We did it for 30 years, Jesus. Didn't we do stuff for you? And in your name, drive out demons. And in your name, perform many miracles. We did Christian stuff. 
Didn't we do that stuff? You know, Jesus, before the pandemic, we were at church a lot. We acted a lot like Christians. But Jesus said, I'm going to say this to the semi-surrendered. He said, then I'll tell him plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, that word knew, he says, I never knew you, is that same word that we studied earlier in this series. It's the Greek word genosko. It means to know, but it means to know in an intimate way. It means to know experientially. It, it means you didn't read stuff about somebody, that you had some experiences, some encounters, some adventures with them. You know them better than just facts on a piece of paper. And Jesus said, I never knew you that way. You never experienced a relationship with me. You didn't surrender your life to me. You knew the lingo. You, you knew lots about Christianese. But you never opened your heart to me. You never surrendered to the life that I offered you. I invited you repeatedly. I know you read the text message because it says read. But you didn't respond. He says, I never knew you. And his response will be away from me. And as your pastor, that's my biggest fear for you. That's my biggest fear. So I, my question for you today is, are you informed or are you transformed? Do you know lots about God? Is this just part of your Christian routine? Or has Jesus left an indelible mark on your life? Has your heart changed? See, my Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. See, Jesus didn't die just so that you could have fire insurance and go to heaven. Jesus died so that you could experience heaven here on earth. You could experience a full and fulfilled life. He died so that your life would look radically different than the rest of the world's. He paid the price on the cross so that you could be made brand new, not just so that you could join a Christian club called Simple Church. He died so that your transformed life would be the catalyst that led others to Jesus as well. And in response to the life that Jesus has laid down for us, he's called us to lay down our lives too. He's called us to live a life of surrender to him, to follow his ways. Look what he said in Matthew 16. He said to his disciples, to all of his followers, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You've got to give up your preferences. You've got to give up how you think it's supposed to be done. You've got to give up what mom and dad taught you. You've got to give up what culture's doing. You've got to give up what your celebrity friends are doing. You've got to give up what you're seeing on TV. You've got to give it up. Give up your own way, take up your cross, which by the way, the only reason to have a cross is to crucify something to it. That there is something in your life that must be fully surrendered and not just in a sur surrendered in a way that you drop it and you leave it and you go to work and you come back and you pick it up again. It must be crucified. It must be killed. He said, give up your own way. Take up your cross and then follow me. So if you're going to follow Jesus, this is the first note I've got for you. The first thing you got to do is lay down your life. Well, I got two notes for you. Here you go. Lay down your life. This isn't easy. This isn't sexy. It isn't popular. It requires sacrifice of your rights, 
of your preferences, of your choice, and of the pathway that you think you're supposed to walk. Jesus isn't just about life improvement. He's about life transformation, guys. That's who Jesus is. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm on TikTok. love to be on TikTok. And one of my favorite things to come across, because I can't really, I'm not like searching for things. I'm just on the FYP, the For You page. TikTok has curated a bunch of content that it knows I love. And one of the things that I might see as I'm scrolling through TikTok is body transformations. Anybody seen these? Man, I love. There was a guy this week I saw. He was 450 pounds. And it showed him before. He's got his shirt off, and he's standing there. It was so inspirational. I'm just bawling while I'm watching this story. The guy had lost 200 pounds. Spoiler alert. That's the end of the story. But I love watching transformations. And what's so amazing about him is, is their body, his body didn't transform because he continued to do the same things they'd always done. No, body transformation comes on the heels of surrender and sacrifice over and over and over again. Day in, day out, moment by moment. Surrender, sacrifice, because daggone it, a Big Mac is awesome. Daggone it, Chick-fil-A is good. Got to go from that fried chicken to that grilled chicken without a bun, bless the Lord, and a salad. You ain't got to do that kale stuff. That's not required. Jesus isn't in that. He's just in the chicken. I just need you to know that. I'm tore up today, y'all. But in the, in the guy's story that I was watching, there was stuff he had to lay down. There was stuff he had to say no to. There was stuff he had to deny himself, himself. And as much as there was stuff he needed to stop doing, there was stuff he needed to start doing. And he started DDP yoga, and it just it transformed his life. It's amazing. And I need you to understand that this is the invitation Jesus offers. A transformed life. Same old, same old. You've already had enough of that. You've had enough of the world's ways. It's not leading to what you want. There's transformation that's available to you. It requires surrendering to a new way. By the way, you know what they called Jesus around that time? They called him the way. His followers were called followers of the way. There's a way that your life can be transformed. And Jesus' invitation is to an inside-out, transformed life that is different. In fact, that same verse in another translation says this. Jesus said to his disciples, those who want come to come with me must say no to the things they want. Pick up their crosses and follow me. Transformed life requir- requires a cross where you crucify some things. I mean, Jesus laid down his life. He literally laid down his life. He could have called the angels. He could have done like he had done in previous parts of the story where they grabbed hold of him. They were going to throw him over a cliff and Jesus just walked through him like he was a ghost. We're talking about the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the son of God did not have to surrender his life to be crucified on that cross. He chose it. It was a choice he made. He chose to lay down his life. And because he laid down his life for us, friends, I'm telling you, the only reasonable response to such a sacrifice, to such a love, is to surrender our lives in response as well. Amen, everybody?
It means we don't get to choose which part of the Bible we believe. It means we don't get to choose our morality. It means we don't get to choose to love certain people and to hate others. We don't get to choose how we manage our lives, our finances, our marriage, our children. The Bible tells us how to handle all of those things. In other words, Jesus must be Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. We can't live like the world and be a fully surrendered follower of Jesus. It doesn't work that way. We have to lay down our lives and completely surrender. Second thing, so lay down your life and pick up his life. So there's the thing you got to stop doing. There's the thing you got to start doing. Stop living your life. Start living his. Start living the life he has for you. Paul said it this way in Acts 20. I love this. He said, I consider my, wife, my life worth nothing to me. It's nothing. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. It's the only reason Paul was even living anymore. Fully surrendered. Lord, what do you got for me? The fully surrendered life does that. It says, God, what do you have for me today? God, what do you have for me in this moment? God, what do you want me to do with my finances? God, how should I raise my kids? God, how do I forgive this person? How do I live like Jesus lived? And God has a plan for your life. And it's for you to know and enjoy him and to tell others about him. It's that simple. But to do so requires you to lay down your life and pick up his. There's transformation there. There's a full and fulfilled life that also comes with it. And all those things are on the other side of us surrendering to him. And my friends, that life, Paul says that life is worth it. And those of us that know will tell you that life is worth it. Your best year ever is waiting on you. It'll be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. So stand for God's best for your life. Don't bow to culture. Learn to trust him by experiencing him. Take steps towards him. Connect with your passion and your purpose. Serve people. Make a difference in their lives. And lay down your life to pick up his. Crucify that old life. Don't come back to it anymore. Amen, everyone? Let's pray. Father, I know that, that uh, this is not an easy message, but it's a necessary one. It's a call for us to lay down our lives, and that's hard for us. For some of us, and, and, and me included, we become enamored so easily with parts of this life, with the clothes we wear, the foods we eat, the places we go, our Instagram followers, our jobs, our successes accomplishments, our relationships. We so easily become enamored with this life. And so to hear what we need to do most is to lay down our lives. It's hard. But Jesus, I believe that the invitation is real. The invitation to a transformed life is real. And because I know your promises are true, it makes it easier to lay down my life. Because I know how much you love me, it makes it easy to lay down my preferences and my choices and the path that I think I should walk. So God, help us today. Help us in whatever way we need your help to make that choice to lay down our lives. 
And God, show us how to pick up the life that Christ has for us. Show us how to pick it up, not just today, but tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, moment by moment, as we choose to live a surrendered life. In fact, that's where you're at today. If that's your prayer today, the way I'd have you agree with me today is just hold your hands out like this, palms up, and just say, I surrender. I surrender. God, we surrender. We surrender. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe there's some of you in this room that what you need to do is surrender to Jesus for the first time, to surrender your life, to choose to trust Him. There's something about today. There's something about this moment. You've never felt faith. You've never felt the need to do this, but today, for whatever reason, you feel it. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you into relationship with Him. We have this relationship with God. We're made brand new. We're transformed completely because of Jesus. So today, if you're ready to enter relationship with God, if you're ready to be forgiven of all of your mistakes in your past, given a brand new start, if you're ready, I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you want to be included on that prayer, just join me in the prayer. Just join me. In fact, would you let me know? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to make fun of you. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. Today, I'm, I'm praying a prayer today. I'm saying yes. That's me. Yeah, thanks. Listen, if there, those of you that are online, if you're making that choice today, you can pray with us right where you're at. Open your mouth, say these words, but more importantly, open your heart. Everybody, let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Today I surrender. I give you everything. Forgive me of my sin. Make me brand new. And show me how to live for you. And to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that the angels are having a party for those that said yes to Jesus. Come on, Simple Church, let's, let's uh, join the uh, angels in celebration. People are saying yes to Jesus, man, it's a good day. Now listen, if you made that decision today, here's my request to you. Or maybe, may, maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you made another decision. Like, man, I need to take this step, and the Lord's been leading me for a while. I would love to know those stories. Grab the connection card. Fill it out. There's a place on there that you can leave me a note, and my team will make sure that I get to see it, to know the steps that you are taking or the ways that we can partner with you to help you take your next steps. In fact, if you said yes to Jesus, your next step Jesus said is to get baptized. Next Sunday, we're going to be doing baptisms right here. If you mark that connection card, our team will get back to you. Is that right, next Sunday? Yep, next Sunday is baptism. We'll get you baptized in this tank right here, and we'll celebrate that step of faith. So make sure that you take that step. Fill out that connect card, drop it off at the connect center, and we'll get you baptized next Sunday. We do baptisms the first Sunday of every month, so if you're not available next Sunday, we totally understand, but we want to challenge you to make space for your relationship with Jesus in that all-important step. Amen, everybody? All right. Well, as we wrap up today's service, a uh, couple things I want to share with you. But first, uh, there is an opportunity for you to give. The Lord is leading you to give. Uh, there's a give box in the back of the room, but there's also, it's this lit up space, like right back here. It's really beautifully done. Uh, and then there's digital ways to give, either through our app, our website, or you can text to give, uh, text any, any dollar amount to 84321. Uh, thank you so much. That continues to not only help us here uh, be on mission, but many missionaries uh, and church planning organizations, food pantries, Dream Center, like there's, we give 10% of everything you give us 
away. And uh, so you're supporting ministries around the world as you give. So thank you for that. A few things you need to know as we are wrapping up and preparing to go. Grow groups uh, start here very soon. Stop in the lobby. Go to the tent. Get in a group. Ask some questions. Uh, First Wednesday is this Wednesday night. It is an opportunity for us to help you grow in your influence as a, as a leader. Every single one of you has influence and every single one of you is a leader. We're here at 7 o'clock. We're here for an hour and we keep it to a tight hour. So please make sure you join us. First Wednesdays are every month. It's the first Wednesday of the month. Easy enough to remember. Would love to, to invest in your leadership, whether that's leadership here in our church, on the job, on, at home, in school. Uh, students, wherever, we'd love to invest in you. So make a plan to come and join us Wednesday night. Uh, and then next week, we start our brand new relationship series. So we've got something in here for everyone, whether you're single, dating, engaged, married, or married and longing to be single, we've got something for you, right? Uh, so, uh, and in tandem with that, we have a parents' night out and a marriage uh, conference that's planned as well. More details to come. Let me pray for you and bless you. After I'm done praying, if you need prayer for anything, our pastoral team will be right here to pray for you. So, Lord, we thank you for the work you're doing in us, the way you're stirring us, God, preparing us for our best year ever, God. We uh, pray that you go with us. Keep us safe from uh, diseases and infections and COVID. And, Lord, all those that are missing today as a result of it, we pray your healing power on them, Lord. But then over this word that is planted in our hearts today, Lord, I pray that you water it. I pray that you give the increases. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next week.